Thorn in Your Side is a podcast recorded on the various lands of First Nations peoples, land that always was and always will be Aboriginal land. While there's air that is breathed and water that nourishes and provides, ownership of this land remains unresolved. Respects are paid to elders past and present in the ongoing quest for self-determination and reclamation of land. Born in your Welcome to Thorn in Your Side. My name is M. Uh, my real name, you guys may or may not know about it, just call me M. And um, I've got with me probably a regular these days, although um, I don't know, do we have to make him restore his regularness because it's been a while since um, we've been doing these podcast episodes? Shall we make him earn it? Let's see. Anyway, it's John. How's it going, John? It's going good. How you doing, Michael? Uh, yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm a bit paranoid about our setup at the moment because um, we're not doing it in the standard way. Um, I've, I've actually got a bit of a slapdash setup here with a small remote mic. Um, so I'm hoping that we're, we're picking, picking our voices up. We're basically huddled over this thing at the moment. It's almost like we're trying to warm our hands on it like it's a campfire. So uh, fingers crossed that we at least get some good audio based upon what we're going to talk about. Yeah, it has been a bit of a while, John. Since the last episode, uh, I've been, well, in the last episode, I was bringing people up to speed on why I might not necessarily been doing things. And a lot of it was because of the lockdown as well as uh, adulting. Um, how about yourself? Have you been finding it a bit hectic over the last year? Uh, I, I think it's really interesting because time is really hard to follow when I look back at the moment. So I, I lose track of time and what happened in the last year, what happened in the last two years, uh, which I think in, in itself is pretty interesting because like I'll, I'll look back and go, oh, yeah, I'm doing fine, you know, things are good and, and, and everything. And then I'll start to forget some of the, the really challenging moments uh, that I've had over the last couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, I think I'm in a... I'm definitely in a better place now than I was six months ago. I think six months ago I'd, I had a couple of really bad days uh, that I remember, you know, contacting my brother and going, hey, just talk to me about depression. Does it feel like this? Uh, and, you know, he was pretty helpful with that, um, which was good. But, yeah, so I think I'm, I'm in a better place. I mean, obviously we're in my office, uh, which is something we haven't been able to do for a long time because... You know, things were locked down. We weren't able to come into the office. And now, you know, on my campus, students are coming back to classes. Uh, staff are coming back and teaching. So there's a sort of a feeling that things are getting better, even though I don't know if they are. Yeah. One of the things I hated six months ago was that there was that enforced isolation. I do think of myself as something of an introvert, but uh, I did also learn that I think there is a part of me that still requires the connection the face-to-face -face connection, uh, and I don't think um, I don't think the digital medias can um, can can basically cover for that. And I think that's the thing when you're an introvert and you only need a little bit of connection. Going from a little bit of connection to zero connection can be quite traumatic. 
And, yeah. I, and I think when you're an introvert, you think, oh, I don't really need that. People, I'd rather just sit at home and watch my shows anyway. Um, yeah, it sneaks up on you maybe. While someone who's more social and knows that as, an, as a really important part of their of their psyche might be more prepared for, okay, I need to be ready for the fact I'm not going to see people. Yeah. It's a bit like um, having Coca-Cola and they remove the caffeine out of it. Although maybe like perhaps a hundred years ago, it was like taking the cocaine out of it. That would have been terrible. That would have been terrible if you really loved cocaine and you got it through your Coke. And then they said, you know what? We're, we've made it better. Hey, we talked to marketing and they said, you know what? A little less cocaine. No, fuck that. The, the cocaine was what I was all about. Yeah, less cocaine, more Santa. But anyway, that scene, that was what was missing. Um, uh, major soft drink brands aside. So now now that, to a certain extent, has, has been alleviated like obviously we're we're face to face today you're getting social connection now that you weren't getting six months ago well i can tell you about like the the new job that i've had over the last half year or so um and i work with a not-for-profit organization i can't name the name but they're very um they're very supportive um and part of the support was to allow me to go back to an office environment like an office environment of my choosing just for the sake of just having company with people and it was um back with my old people that i work with in my old job um so it was familiar it was safe um i can get the banter back and happening again and uh that's helped and for me that's that's where i've been able to get a sense of connection and i don't want to say return to normal because that seems to me like there's a real loadedness about that. Like it's it's to me it's like that terminology back at the start of COVID when politicians were talking about snapback. Like it won't go back to the way it once was. I think what we can do is try to work towards making sense of what now is. And I feel like for me um, that requires a bit of energy. And I think what I, over the last six months what I've learnt is that energy requires socialization connectivity and, and all of that so that's kind of what's that's bringing it back for me and um i think for me it's like i'm still in a place of healing i think in many ways in many ways is building upon what i was talking about in my last episode but good to have someone else to to kind of bounce that off of i think that's an interesting point you say too which is we're not going back to normal, as in going back to the past, because the world's moved on, as it would in two years, right? If, if the pandemic hadn't happened, we would be different in two years' time, right? Um, but that actually is what people keep saying. Like, when I run into people on campus, isn't it, back to, isn't it great that we're going back to normal? You know, we have this narrative that we're, we're going to go back to the way things were before the pandemic, Mm. Um, and it's going to be like the pandemic never happened. Like that's, people are talking like that, but the reality is, of course, it's never going to be the same. The world's changed. Our lives have changed. We've learned things about ourselves, about how we work, about how we study, about what we want that, you know, is going to certainly change our, our, our futures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're hearing that on campus, people saying going back to normal, I think, on a political level as well, and by political I mean the ones that talk in press conferences and get elected, that political, um, they're doing their best to try to frame all of this like it's not really a pandemic anymore, like we're going back to something that's normal and it feels like it's 
it's a very forced thing and something that has a bit of loading on it because when you present that picture to people that's what gives a sense of electoral opportunity um, but it may or may not be the correct way to proceed because for me when you make something like that political it may or may not line up against what effective health advice and health policy is in regards to a pandemic. For me it actually overtakes a narrative of whether it's actually a pandemic or it's just basically become effectively endemic because of the political rhetoric. So for me that that's a, a real challenging concept so and that is also where it's part of the exercise in trying to make sense of what the fuck is going on right now. During the week, and this is, I actually found this out by just stepping into the office after coming back from a lunch break. And it's like I had a workmate um, say, Michael, did you hear what happened? And I said, yeah, I know, Warney died. Tell me something else. What about the Russians? What are they doing now? And it's like, no, nah, it's nothing to do with that, Michael. Oh, shit, I just used my real name. It's nothing to do with that, M. It's, it's got to do with Will Smith. Did you hear what Will Smith did? And I go, nah. And it's like, you just decked Chris Rock. And it's like, well, what, what movie's that from? And it's like, nah, dude, it was the Oscars. So, um, I think, uh, it's pretty much common knowledge at this point, like what happened, um, with the whole slap, um, at the Oscar ceremonies. So, that's created a bit of a buzz on the internets and, uh, the water cooler talk. Is that still a thing? Do people do water cooler talk? Do we even have water coolers in a post-COVID uh, safe work environment? Nah, because there's like taps and you have to share stuff. Yeah, no, um, that would be that would be potential for contagion. No, we do not do the water cooler talk anymore. But I feel I feel like it's we're still doing something similar after this particular um, event has happened, John. What do you, what do you think about it? Where were you when um, when the slap happened? Well, well, uh, just just to inform uh, the dear listener, uh, I I need to be careful not to go too deep into this because I have been, you know, creating uh, conspiracy theories and linking, you know, red uh, red uh, uh, tape and everything together, and and um, and I'm really keen to sort of see how this will go based on some of my research about social meaning. Um, <laughs> But you know, yeah, it was actually you that told me because you sent me a message and 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 said, uh, "Oh, I just see what happened at the Oscars," and of course I didn't because I don't watch the Oscars. I don't give a shit about that stuff. Mm. Um, but then, of course, I looked it up and and found out, and and now I've watched it probably about five different times purposefully and probably 25 different times by just you know walking past the TV which has broadcast it. So. Mm. Um, and you, you actually have an inter interesting idea because it's clearly, we, we've just taken off with it, right? Mm. Um, the, there's so many opinion pieces. There's so many different ways to understand what's happened. There's so many get different contested understandings. Um, it's burning hot at the moment. Do you have a theory why, why is it burning so hot? Why, why are we, why in a world where we just are going through a pandemic where there, there's a, a war uh, in Ukraine and I forgot that warning died. Thanks for reminding me. Why all of a sudden is, is this incident all we can talk about? Well, for me, like I, I come from a bit of a, a personal perspective here and uh, I do, 
I suppose, um, extend upon what I was discussing in my last episode about kind of getting out of the, the lockdown cave and, and trying to get back to, to life. When this, this happened, it just in the office, there just felt like a bit of a buzz. And it was like, what the fuck? But we spent the last few years like having these big what the fuck moments, you know? But in this instance, it, it kind of felt a bit more safe because this happened, but we're not immediately thinking, oh, is something at peril here? It was more about, okay, well, this has happened. It's absurd, but what does it mean? And I think that's what's ensued over the past few days. And I'm going to hazard to say that it's still going to have a bit of heat about it, even by the time we get this episode published. <laughs> um, that's where I'm coming from on it. John, I know that um, that you've you've definitely pulled this apart and you've seen like many a strand and many a narrative that's coming out of this. But what, what do you think about that in terms of finding some sort of safety in many ways by having that? I mean, I can't call it water cooler talk because, yeah, COVID killed the water cooler. Yeah. I mean, you're right, right? This is not an economic issue. This is not a life or death issue. This is not a war. This is not, you know, a virus that's killing people and potentially, you know, disabling them. Like, this is an incident that that, that happened at the Oscars. Yeah, there's a safety that you can talk about it. Um, and certainly, I think, and, and this is what I'm fascinated about at the moment, is just, you know, all the different contested meanings, all the ways people are trying to make sense of what, what does this mean to our society? What... How is this going to have a, an effect on how we live? And, and, and you're right. Like when you look at actually what is having an effect on how we live, the war in Ukraine, um, the pandemic, you know, it, it's clearly absurd. But yeah, it's safe. You know, we're, we're assuming no one's going to die from this. Um, although I feel like I've just jinxed it and eventually, it, you know, it will. <laughs> it's something, someone, you know, or one of the things, I guess, one of the, the contested meanings, you know, comedians are talking about, well, this opens the floodgates to making jokes and then someone doesn't like it and they get on stage and they kill you. Um, well, that's what um, Kathy Griffin came out and tweeted about, that this opens a Pandora's box because Will Smith has set a bit of a perverse benchmark here where if you get to slap a comedian when they're doing their job, then that basically gives license to any odd sort to, to do that to a comedian in any random bar dive place where one might perform. Which, just for the record, that was already happening. Like, comedians, you know, Bill Hicks has that famous thing about, you know, getting confronted after shows about people saying, I didn't like what you said and trying to start fights. Like, that already happened. <laughs> Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Thank you, man. Be my little echo. Thank you. It's my, my mother. And, uh... You suck. You fucking cunt. Get the fuck out of here right now. Get out. Fuck you. Fuck you, you idiot. You're everything that America should be flushed down the toilet, you fucking turd. Fuck you. Get out! Get out, you fucking drunk bitch! Take her out! Take her fucking out! Take her to somewhere that's good! Go see fucking Madonna, you fucking idiot piece of shit! But you're 
ride. Like, there, there's a license. I might also hasten to say that this isn't the first time there has been altercations of this magnitude at the Oscars. Like, um, I was reading an article earlier on today that refers to an incident in 1973 when um, John Wayne had to basically be restrained by security guys because he wanted to storm the stage and attack a Native American speaker who was speaking on behalf of Marlon Brando who decided not to attend the awards because he wanted to make a political stance involving Native American rights. The winner is Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Accepting the award for Marlon Brando and The Godfather, Miss Sasheen Littlefeather. Hello, my name is Sasheen Littlefeather. I'm Apache and I'm president of the National Native American Affirmative Image Committee. I'm representing Marlon Brando this evening, and he has asked me to tell you in a very long speech, which I cannot share with you presently because of time, but I will be glad to share with the press afterwards that he very regretfully cannot accept this very generous award. And the reasons for this being are the treatment of American Indians today by the film industry, excuse me, and on television in movie reruns, and also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. No one talks about John Wayne, John. No one, no one talks about John Wayne anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's a, like, I, I read articles that referenced that and went, ha-ha, and I was like, 73? Like, Jesus, that's a long time ago. Like, surely we've had more other, thing, uh, other things happen at the Oscars since, since then. It hasn't just been, uh, been that. But certainly, um, you know, talking about the, 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 the different um, meetings there, like, there, there is something in regards to comedy and this role that we used to see in the Oscars and certainly we've seen over the years of where comedians get up and, and roast the actors and uh, and make fun of them and people laugh along as part of the, the, the gag. I mean, certainly when Ricky Gervais was presenting, you know, some of his stuff was really caustic and, and, and hard. The, uh, the Catholic Church are furious about the film as it exposes the fact that 5% of all their priests have repeatedly molested children and being allowed to continue to work without punishment. Roman Polanski called it the best date movie ever. <laughs> Give me the remote. <laughs> I mean, is that the meaning now, that that type of comedy is, uh, is going to go away? I don't know. I mean, the, the Oscars won't go away. The Oscars keep coming back. Well, what will the Oscars be like if that, that there isn't that? that type of comedy i mean in the end like i think whatever happens to the oscars is probably not going to be the big narrative that comes out of that i think i think this is probably there's probably going to be a bigger narrative coming out about disability and and um gender and race uh which i think are probably the big ones but um certainly it, it the the comedy narrative and, and what this means for comedy is is on the down uh, end, but again, you know, the safety of this conversation that we can have a conversation about what's going to happen to comedy and we're not discussing, okay, who's going to die from this virus. There, there, there's something there, I think, in that. Yeah, I, I think I was referring to it earlier where, where it's about, it's creating a safe space to have a bit of a discussion 
over making sense of what's happening now. Mm. Um, what's happening now is that it seems like there has been a bit more of a sophistication to talk about how issues interrelate. Like, I mean, with this incident, with the slap, then the, the knee-jerk thing has been to um, say, well, this is violent. Is violence right? Is it justified? Now back up, put the gun down, and give me a pack of tropical fruit bubblicious. And some Skittles. But the more that you kind of investigate the issues here, there's, there's more things going on here than a simple act of violence to the issues that you referred to earlier about um, disability, about illness, about about racial interactivity and racial expression and, and all the power dynamics that, that are being played out and being challenged. And also the spectacle to Richard squaring off against each other in what is still predominantly a white person's domain. Um, there's all of that stuff going on as well. And I suppose the other thing I'm also thinking about as well is that, and I mean, I'm choosing my words carefully because I want to basically come off as this, but this idea of men's rights activism, there's, a, there's an argument about this as well where, where Will Smith is basically being dominated by Jada and he's doing this out of a place of subservience. So there's even that left field, non-political left field, um, narrative as well. So there's there's a whole bunch of things that are really being mixed up in the soup here and um, I feel like that's, that's a more low-key version of what's happened over the last few years because um, when Trump was around you would see this big cascade of political thoughts and ideologies and beliefs um, that all get, that all get mashed around. Some of it intersectional, some of it like fascism grafting onto other junk thoughts and that sort of stuff. So that it feels a bit of a microcosm of that, but in a more contained, safe, banal banal in the sense where it's like it's as boring as fuck but at least I'm not going to be worried about whether this is going to um, get me long COVID or something you know it feels that's what's being drawn out for me when seeing something like this happen this week keep my wife's name out your I was interested in, in the cliched response uh, which was um, oh now, I don't condone violence. Like, that was the cliched response that sort of jumped up, which is just, you know, you look at our violent world and you look at, you know, people who are saying, I don't condone violence, but also the same people who were saying, you know, we need to do something about Ukraine. Well, what the fuck do you think <laughs> you're going to do about Ukraine? Like, it's a war, it's violence. Anyway, that that was one of the, the things that it seemed a lot of people to, to have this conversation and to jump in and say that to be able to, to move forward. Um, and rightly, people have... have challenge that and, and then other people like one of the 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 a couple of the interesting um chelsea watego talked about you know the the shock of seeing a, a black woman being defended um and that that was uh the narrative that she was talking about you know roxanne gays talked about jada refusing to be the butt of the joke um and that she shouldn't have to be the butt of the joke that that shouldn't be the the price to be part of it i mean there's some really interesting stuff going on there but but the the cliche of i don't condone violence and then whatever you want to say i mean ultimately i think there, there are going to be different meanings and and that's what i'm really interested in which is 
the meanings about, you know, disability that are coming out, um, the meanings about, you know, um, black women um, being defended. Because in some ways where you say uh, the men's right activist thing, I think there's a, also a really strong narrative about people who were saying what Will Smith did was wrong, but he did it for an honourable reason. And I think that's probably where this is going to end up landing, which is he did a wrong violent act, but, you know, it's a, it's on the low scale of violence and comparative to the rest of the violence in our society. Uh, but it was an honourable violent act. But as I said, I'm really, and I'm, I'm trying to map as many of the narratives I can now because, you know, my hegemonic Gramsci sort of um, research, I think eventually, it depends on how long this burns, right? This could burn really quick and be gone in two weeks. You know, this could be good to be still talking about it in a year. Mm. But eventually a, a, a socially agreed meaning of what this means will come out. Um, and I'm really interested to see what that is. My wife's name! So for me, it could suggest, like, into the future, we, we could think of things with a bit more of a dynamic literacy to say that, no, there's not one pervading issue here to be violent or not violent, but to actually think about this in a number of angles, to think that there are uh, a number of things going on in a certain situation, and... Um, and also just trying to work out where the political loading is with all of it as well. Um, like, you know, the, the spectacle of, of, of two black men fighting amongst each other in a space that is certainly not a place of black ownership, you know? Um, there's a juxtaposition there. Um, what does that mean? There's no immediate answers, but it's for me that, uh, that, that there seems to be more questions that start to get asked. And there's not people just waiting for someone to say, oh, this is what happened. This is why it is. There isn't so much of that. That, that feels like there's that sort of dynamic. Although I could be asserting my education privilege. I don't know. I don't know. But that's, that's what the feeling is. So for me, that's what it feels like moving forward, though. White name! The idea of... The, the, the any lefty takeaways from it is that, and I'll go into my class wheelbarrow here, that if we are trying to work out what class politics are, class politics are dynamic. Because uh, I do remember like, um, yeah, it was like a few months ago. Yeah, it was actually during the lockdown times where everything, all the political discussions were, were being played out on Facebook because that's where all the good, robust, meaningful discussions should happen. <laughs> so I was kind of trapped into that. I think that's what contributed to the trauma. But anyway, that old idea of classness, um, of it being a, a homogeneity versus it being a bit more varied, a bit more dynamic, where you've got different forms of class expression. You're, you're really trying to work out what the ingredients are. Um, and once you get an idea of that and where you might be able to sit within all of that, I mean, for me, that's where where there are the prospects of change um, and also um, disruption. I mean, I'm hoping that's not a, a hot take to make from, from this Oscars incident. At its base, that's what it feels like. There's just more of a safer opportunity to, to have those, the beginnings of such dialogues. What do you think, John? Drawing a long string or am I spot on? I, I, I think, 
I think what's really interesting about this, and I think you've got a really good point, is this is a safe conversation to have. You know, this doesn't feel like life and death. I think with this conversation, there's a diversity of opinions. Like, it feels like for the first time in a while, this is a conversation where you've got people who are going, yeah, what Will Smith did was right. Oh, what Will Smith did was wrong. Well, what Will Smith did was wrong, but for the right reason. Like, there's just so much out there and so much different viewpoints. Um, I really feel like at the moment there isn't a clear narrative. There isn't a clear meaning to this. And I'm going to be fascinated to see if one eventuates and eventually there's a, a meaning. And this will be interesting for us, right, because we're putting this, recording this down, yeah. you know, in a month, six months, 12 months, if we go back to this or even have a look at what people are saying and see if, if, a, if a meaning has come together, if we can map out how that meaning won over the others. So you're suggesting that we do a retrospective? I, I think to a certain extent we've set ourselves up because we've talked about it. My thing is usually with these things, I think we, people don't set themselves up. They have their, their idea in the moment and then they go through this mediated process of all these different viewpoints. And then as a society, we sort of settle on, you know, one sort of dominant, dominant narrative mm. for us. It'll be interesting because we're, we could listen back and say, Oh, well, these are, these were our reactions to it. This is what we were thinking. These were the different talking points um, that were going on and, and just seeing if, uh, you know, that disability angle in 12 months time is gone, you know, or that, um, or whether something arises, as I was talking to you about uh, earlier with, where there's now on Twitter, people are talking about, well, Chris Rock has a disability, um, in regards to, he might be on the spectrum, which, you know, might then explain the joke, which, you know, probably doesn't. Um, but yeah, so there's, it's going to be interesting to see how these all play out, how the, how this incident plays out and whether or not this incident in, in a month, six months, 12 months, whether it matters, whether people care, whether it's had any effect on anything. All right. Well, I like definitives, John. So uh, when, when should we return to this? Six months, nine months, 12 months? I, I think, you know, let's, I would say, Leah, let's do drop-ins around those times and just go, hey, it's three months since, what's going on with it? Hey, it's six months since, does anyone care? Like... The interesting thing I think will be is the anniversary because that'll be at the Oscars. Yeah. Um, you know, because there is that narrative of this incident happened. A lot of people watched it thinking it was acting, you know, that this was a bit, that they were doing something. And so no one intervenes. And then it happens. And then when Will Smith sits down and he's clearly upset and he's yelling at Chris Rock, you can see the people in the audience realizing, oh shit, this is real. He is extremely aware of the fact that he's at the Academy Awards, that this is Will Smith in front of him and he is really quickly in his head trying to figure out what to do. The thing that I've spent the most time thinking about since I saw this video is how he was able to bounce back and get his composure that quickly. You're supposing that um, when in Oscars next year, people are going to tune in thinking, Who's going to get hit in the head this time? Well, one, one, is there going to be an easy access to the stage? You know, <laughs> are there going to be security on there? I saw someone joke that, that uh, next year they'll have The Rock hosting so they can be sure he's not going to get assaulted. Um, but also, are people going to make jokes about it? You know, are we going to, uh, you know, would Chris Rock be invited again and would he make a reference to it? It's um, funny that you bring that up, bring up The Rock, because that was the vibe that I also had when I saw that on the Oscars. Like, it felt like, you know, and you're a wrestling fan, so I'm going to indulge this, John. 
Well, I suppose I'm a bit of a closet wrestling fan. That was one idea that we have as well, later on in a future episode. Me and John are going to try and interview a local wrestling firm person. Um, anyway, put a pin in that. Getting back to the Oscars incident, um, the vibe that I had was it felt like um, when... But you know how between bouts, when a wrestler comes out with a microphone, they do the hype up. Finally, The Rock has come back to Anaheim! And then it's like it's a bit of a call out for a rival, and then the rival comes out. It just felt like that. Like, it felt like it was baiting, a bit of a baiting pro wrestling moment. Like, did you feel like that when you were seeing it? Or? When I heard it the first time, like that it happened, I didn't believe that, that it was real. I thought it has to be fake. And so I watched it, you know, with my analysis, you know, with my wrestling background to go, okay, I'm going to look for, you know, the wink uh, when you realise this is all fake. Um, and then was, you know, like everyone else, you know, watching it to the point going, oh, I think it's fake, I think it's fake. Then yeah. seeing him get hit and then seeing afterwards going, oh, shit, it's real. Yeah. Um, it did feel like wrestling, which I wonder if that is an insult to, to the incident or really is um, a thumbs up for wrestling going, actually wrestling, you know, all this dramatic stuff they do. Actually, that is what happens. So is this what could potentially happen in forums like the Oscars or even the Oscars themselves where they might steal a few more tropes from pro wrestling and then that whole idea between what is actually real and what actually becomes scripted becomes a lot more blurred? I, I, I think I was on record in this podcast and saying that Trump was the, the wrestling president, that he basically, uh, you know, acted like a heel, a wrestling heel the whole time. Um, well, there we go. I mean, that's another thing that this, uh, this moment provides a bit of a safer, safer situation to kind of reflect on. Like, here we go. Like, this is, this is something that, that Trump has also propagated as well. Sorry, how are you? How are you going? Yeah, well, I'm actually starting to say that you know these fictions of, of wrestling and, and stuff that we watch and we think these are ridiculous and they're over the top. Maybe they're not that far from reality of people's lives. You know, this did. I agree. This this could have been uh, the start of a wrestling match. Like you know, if they announced afterwards, you know, Chris Rock has, has challenged uh, Will Smith to a cage match to once and for all settle. Uh, you know, who can make jokes? Like it, it, it would be somewhat believable it would fit that narrative um i'm also immediately remembering that um that recent tweet from elon musk where he's put like uh something like place your bets who would win between putin riding a bear versus elon musk with a flamethrower did you see that i did not see that <laughs> okay well that happened but um yeah it's it's the thing that makes this shocking is, is is something that we've seen happen in fiction is happening in real life. Hmm. But then we start to reflect on, you know, actually do we see these things in, in, in real life? I mean, one of the things I always have issues with is people who take this away as a metaphor for their own world, which is what we're seeing in this meaning. I mean, you know, if you're in a pub and someone says something horrible about your wife and you go to, to uh, attack them, chances are someone's going to step in and stop you, right? It's not going to be like this. Like, these are these are millionaires in this artificial environment who had these interactions. Like, it, it is um, totally unexpected because we, we haven't seen this sort of stuff happen. Like, when they've got a reference, John Wayne from 1973 being held back backstage. Like, that's not what this was, man. This was incredibly public. Mm. Um 
and and clearly was was shocking because no one when it, even as it's happening people are not believing that this is real it's only after it happened that people then realize and then one of the things that i think is going to be the narrative that comes out is this happened and then nothing happened as in will smith was not you know, kicked out of the Oscars or whatever. Like if you're in a pub and someone said something about your wife and you slap them, the bouncer's grabbing you and you're out. Like guaranteed 100%, you know. Mm. But here, it, it nothing like that happened. It's just in, in you know, it, it's not comparable to our lives. The show went on and it even con- ended up contributing to the drama of the show. Because, I mean, what happened 30 minutes later, he ends up winning that Oscar, that movie that may or may not be entertaining. And, and then, you know, in the speech, links the, the movie and his role in the movie to his actions. Like, it's it's incredible. Like, that's why I, certainly anyone, like when we talk about you know, QAnon and conspiracy theories, like all that stuff is unbelievable. If someone come to me and said, I think this was all scripted and it was all, like, that's believable. It, it makes sense. Mm. Um, but I don't believe it. Like, I, I think it was real, just for the record. Mm, mm, mm. All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll we'll look to to review this in what do we agree on? It was like a year, wasn't it? A year is the last one. I think we should we should talk about it. You know, maybe even next time we catch up, whether that's a month, with three months, six months, twelve months, and just see if is this a thing? Okay. Well, I know that one thing that we definitely need to do coming up because um, I think an election's about to get called any moment. Um, we need to finally get around to talking about that gate, John. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, we're running feel, out of time. <laughs> and, I, and I feel like, um, and I feel like the argument that you're really busting to, to come out with is becoming all the more apparent the more that this guy continue, continually douches things up. So um, let's, let's do this shortly. And, and, and a fantastic, again, fiction and reality. You know, is... is, is is uh, Dak at a wrestling shoot, or is it a is it a is it a real? Well, life? there we go. It's like here's a guy that is basically. I mean, I'm we're starting to encroach upon this episode already, but um, he's a guy with a marketing background who's able to kind of really make quite unknown the idea of fact and fiction. But what where I think he is unraveling amongst a variety of things, which the next episode we can unpack is that he's finally getting caught out on it because people are actually thinking, well, what is real about all of this? But anyway, we can um, we can look at that a bit more um, in terms of Dakgate and uh, we can work out whether Engadine Mackers was a real thing or not. False flag. <laughs> <laughs> or was it a false flag? Anyway, all right, yep, yep. So, cool. What, what, um, so we promised... Well, you made me promise not to talk about the slap too much. Yeah. I, think, I think I think you fulfilled that. Uh, that I think I've broken well. that promise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you did all right. You did all right. What 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 else do you want to discuss while we've got time? Um. Well, just like if we're doing our future planning, uh, so we're going to be doing our um our retrospective over the slap. Uh, we're going to talk about Dakgate, preferably before the election. Um, and, uh, we're also going to try to hit up a, a wrestling person. Yep. Cause we're going to go to the wrestling in about a month or so, aren't we? Yes, definitely. Definitely. We've got tickets Well, you've got tickets. You've bought the tickets. Yeah. Got the tickets. So yeah, it just, as a bit of a heads up to people, like John and I found like a, a local Aussie firm that has 
that does that's doing a unique thing with actually have male wrestlers squaring off against female wrestlers. So I thought that was pretty interesting. We're gonna go see it, and then hopefully we, while we're there, we might try and get someone for an interview in a future episode because I feel like there's a lot to talk about there. Yeah, it's very interesting. All right, well, um, might draw a line there before John gets his um big sunny in Philadelphia style wall out and shows where all the yarn lines are and pictures and whatnot. So thank you very much, everyone. It's good to continue to come out of the cave by getting into these podcasts, and I will see you later. And hopefully, I'll have my gear back by the time I see you guys later. Bye. You want to talk about stress? You want to talk about stress? Okay? I've stumbled onto a major company conspiracy, Mac. How about that for stress? Sorry. I'm being called on in my life to love people and to protect people and to be a river to my people.